Hello and welcome to Stony Creek Radio, the sermon podcast from Stony Creek Baptist Church in London, Ontario. We're so glad you've tuned in today. Our prayer as you listen is that you'll be encouraged and built up in your walk with Jesus as we study God's Word together. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's jump right in. I invite you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. We're just going to be looking at one verse this morning for those that are sticking around in here. Hebrews 13, it's a list of uh, exhortations, and we're going to be focusing on the one I mentioned already, but verse 3 of Hebrews 13. I want you to imagine what it would be like if this morning you had to think about a few things. In areas where there's high persecution, think about what it would be like as a believer to meet together on a Sunday morning. There's a number of things that we would have to plan out. We'd have to plan out a time when it's oftentimes in the nighttime. Uh, Off hour times, we'd have to stagger the arrival times. We could never gather together with this many people. There's certainly over 100 people in this room. You'd never gather together with this many people. How many of you thought about those things when you came in this morning? How many of you drove in our driveway coming to church this morning thinking, wow, I wonder if we're going to be attacked today? We don't have to think about those things right now. There are many countries around the world where those are the realities. Every single Sunday they gather, they have to think about. I read about a church that's gathering together at 4 a.m., in the middle of a forest. Most of the secret church gatherings are taking place in homes around. And there's a photo that, that I saw with some milk crates and a light like this. And so I thought I'd replicate that just a little bit here this morning. Just imagine being in a dark room at 4 a.m., just sitting under the teaching of the word of God, singing quietly together the songs that we'd sing, knowing that at any moment the knock could come at the door and it could be someone coming to interrogate us could be someone coming to try and hurt us. When you go home today and you sit in front of the football game with a coffee in your hands and you hear a knock at the door, who do you think it is? Probably some salesman trying to sell you something. The last thing on your mind is probably, this is probably someone here trying to hurt me. They may be trying to scam you, but they're not trying to hurt you because you're a believer. But this is the reality of of thousands of believers that go home after a gathering together, and they sit wondering when the next knock at the door will come from an intelligent agent, intelligence agent, or some member of the police who has come to interrogate them, who has come to ransack their house to try to find any evidence that they are Christians, and then would detain them if they found it. This is how millions of believers live uh, we saw th- with th- thousands, we saw 340 million believers live in these countries. That's greater than the population of the United States who live in areas where there's severe to intense persecution. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says that we are members together of one body. 
Uh, there are many members, but one body. When one part suffers, we all suffer. And the context as he's writing the church in Corinth is that of the local church, but it has broader implications for us as well. And we see that playing out as we've been studying through the book of Acts. The church in Jerusalem was facing more intense persecution than other churches that were in the Gentile world at the time. And so Paul was collecting an offering to bring back to the Jerusalem churches because of what they were facing. And so it goes, the implications of when one part suffers, they all suffer, goes beyond just the local church. That these are our brothers and sisters around the world that are our family. Uh, in the past 12 months, there's been 4,488 Christian churches, and some of these stats are on the screen here. 4,488 Christian churches who were attacked or forced to close that we know of. That's 86 every single week. That's 12 churches today. If this, that same trend continues, 12 churches today that will be attacked or forced to close their doors because of persecution. I had the opportunity in Nigeria to speak to a, to a church family living in a village that had just recently been attacked. It was the first time I was ever escorted to a church service by two armed officers with semi-automatic rifles. And they didn't tell me until afterwards what had happened. But I got the opportunity to speak to this church family, this village, and they came down from their roofs as they were rebuilding their roofs. This was a village that had been had family members that were killed, had houses that were burned to the ground, and there were men building on the, on the roofs that came off the roofs to come join the gathering as I had the opportunity to open the word of God to them and encourage them in the Lord. I remember and love when we gather together on Sundays, but that's one Sunday I don't think I will ever forget. Number of churches that, this is, that, that they're going through this every single day. In the past 12 months, 4,277 believers were detained without trial, were arrested, were raped, were beaten, were tortured, all for believing in Jesus. 1,710 believers were abducted for faith-related reasons and 4,761 Christians killed for their faith. That's up from the previous year of 4,305. So that's 207 Christians every week or 30 every single day that are either uh, abducted or experience violent persecution for making the decision to follow Jesus. And this is what I want to encourage you this morning to see, and I've hinted at this already, but those are big numbers on the screen. And it's easy to just let those numbers wash over you. But I want you to know those numbers represent your family. That if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he has redefined family. Who is your brother? Those who do the will of the Father in heaven. That means we are brothers and sisters with each one of the people who are represented by the numbers on that screen. So these shouldn't just be numbers, but these are our brothers and sisters. So when the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13 on, in verse 3, and again, the number of exhortations that are in here begins with talking about let brotherly love continue. So in the context of love, how do we love our brothers and sisters around the world. This is what he says in verse 3. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. 
So remember those who are in prison, but then also those who aren't in prison, but everyone who's being mistreated for the gospel, remember them too. Now, what does it mean to remember? Remember means more than just to recall something, to bring it to your mind. And here's a good example of this, maybe. If your spouse says to you and you're heading out the door, remember the milk, what does that mean? That doesn't mean for you to come home empty-handed and your wife says, where's the milk? Well, I remembered you said to bring the milk, get milk. To remember leads us to action. If I say to my, one of my kids, remember to clean your room, they come down from their room and say, I remembered what you said. Well, is your room clean? Well, no. Well, then you weren't doing what I was asking you to do when I said, remember to clean your room. Remembering leads to action. And so when we remember those who are in prison, the question we need to ask is, how can we care for, how can we do what this verse is asking us to do? And in the context like the first century, this was even more important. If you were in prison, you were left there to rot unless you had a friend or family bring you food to eat and clothing to wear and a blanket if you're cold. Many parts in the world that I've traveled to, the prisons operate the same way. When you go into prison, there's no people caring for you in there. The only hope you have to be cared for while you're in prison is if someone outside comes and brings you the supplies that you need. And so when he says, remember those who are in prison, he's saying, care for those who are in prison, for your brothers and sisters who are being persecuted or thrown in prison for their faith in Jesus, remember them, meaning care for them. Bring them a cup of cold water, like Jesus says in Matthew 25. Bring them a blanket when they're cold. And so the question that we need to be asking ourselves out of this verse is, how can we care for our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted? How can we care for those who are in prison right now for their faith or who are being mistreated? And time and time again, and, and you saw a little bit in the video, but time and time again, when you ask a, someone who is being persecuted, what, what do you want from us in the West, from North America? And more than anything else, what's the first thing that you think is mentioned? prayer. Pray for us. Pray for us and pray with us. Pray for us and pray with us that we would have strength to endure. Pray for us and pray with us that we would have boldness to keep proclaiming the gospel in the midst of this. Pray for us and pray with us for protection. And oftentimes in the context of being invisible to their oppressors, like we see even in the gospels with Jesus, that they would be like invisible to their oppressors, that they could continue to proclaim the gospel in those situations. But then also to pray for provision. You know, in Afghanistan right now, many have fled into areas out of Afghanistan because of the Taliban takeover. And we need to be praying for provision for them. And then pray in the midst of all of that, that the gospel would continue to flourish. And that was mentioned in this last video that we saw, that even in the midst, you hear that guy say that, in the midst of this severe persecution, the church is growing. And that is the case just about everywhere in the world where there is intense levels of persecution, the gospel is flourishing the most. The place where the church is growing the fastest is, the place, is, is number eight on the world watch list. It's the country of Iran. 
where the evangelical church is growing faster than anywhere else in the world. And they're going through some incredible persecution. So how can we be caring for? How can we be praying for those brothers and sisters around the world that are being persecuted? Let's start with Afghanistan. Mentioned it briefly already. Afghanistan is the uh, second on the world watch list. And they are almost on par now with the persecution levels of North Korea. And in Afghanistan, you've seen the news. I just mentioned it here of the Taliban takeover. And many believers have had to flee out of the country. It was already incredibly dangerous in Afghanistan before the Taliban came and took over. And now it's just risen exponentially. And so many believers have fled. They've fled to the mountains. They've fled out of the country. Some of, some of them haven't been able to flee or have made the decision to stay. And one uh, believer in Afghanistan shared with open doors uh, how we will survive, only God knows. Are you praying for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan? I want, I want you to imagine what it would feel like to be sitting in your home and knowing that any knock could be the intelligence agents coming to inspect and to check things out in your home. And this is how believers like Saeed live every single day. Saeed in Afghanistan is a believer on the ground and has shared that he and his wife are on the list that the Taliban have of those that they are pursuing for questioning because he and his wife are leaders of a house church. And the Taliban have made a list of all of those people that they have figured out who are believers and particularly leaders and are hunting them down. Imagine the feeling of being hunted. Imagine the feeling of not knowing who is around the corner, who you can trust. He talks about many in his church who have already been beaten, who have been killed, some who have just disappeared. They don't know where they are. He talks about how he keeps in touch with his church by communicating with them, but just asking them about their physical ailments and trying to kind of use code language so that it's not to be detected. This is what it's like for believers in Afghanistan right now. There's a Christian leader in Afghanistan who said, this is a pivotal moment for us in Afghanistan. This is a pivotal moment when it comes to mission. And he asked for the church to pray for wisdom and for patience, because what they are discovering is this, and this is a quote, the recent Taliban takeover has created a unique opportunity for some Afghan Muslims to rethink their faith. And what's happening in Afghanistan, particularly among younger Muslims and women is, is seeing what they see and, and the face of Muslims, uh, face of Islam that they see, and it's causing them to rethink it. And there was one believer who, who was, had to flee. He had to leave Afghanistan, but he was a known believer by a number of different people. And he's been getting, he said, text messages, emails, and messages through social media from Afghans in Afghanistan saying to him, we don't like Islam. We don't want that kind of religion. We want to become like you. We want to be a Christian. Please help us. Tell us how we can become a follower of Jesus like you are. And so he's able to lead them to Christ and to connect them to underground churches that are still meeting 
So let's pray for the protection of these underground churches that are still meeting. Let's pray for more people to be questioning things and be, be directed to the right sources for information on how they can come become followers of Jesus. Let's pray for them. And, and I understand now as well that more Afghans have left Afghanistan and fled into other countries as refugees this year more than ever before in history. So let's be praying for relief efforts and efforts that are being made to an outreach to be able to share the hope of Jesus Christ with Afghans who have fled. Mentioned already, but Iran, Iran right now, they have increased uh, Article 500 and the wording of Article 500, which is an article, it's a law that now gives their police more kind of permission to search people's homes for Christian materials. All they have to do is suspect it. And they're allowed to enter your home, search through everything you have. And this is by law. They're allowed to do this. And this has just happened fairly recently. And so these door-to-door visits by intelligence agents in Iran have become more and more common. In Iran, it is considered apostasy to leave Islam, and it's punishable by death. Anyone that chooses to leave Islam, it is punishable by death. Last year, on November 11th, 2020, so about one year ago today, there were five Christian families who were visited by intelligence agents. Uh, These five families, someone leaked to the, the, the officials that this was a house church that was meeting. These five families were a part of the leadership of this house church. And so they were... One member of each family was arrested and brought to, for interrogation. And they were told they must sign a commitment to stop meeting together, both in person and online. And this was the first time that they had heard this being added in. So now it is illegal for you to meet with others, even online, if you're going to talk about Jesus. They refused to sign it. No surprise there. They were arrested and sent to jail for five years, which is the maximum punishment that they can have by law. They were represented in court by no lawyer because the judge would not let them have representation, even though Iranian law says they are allowed to. This Article 500, uh, if they were to meet together, they'd be in defiance of it. And the wording is that it prohibits psychological manipulation and mind control. And they use that kind of language to talk about any kind of, they call it propaganda, that educates in a defiant way contrary to the holy religion of Islam. So it is against the law to speak anything contrary to Islam. So to say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life is against the law and punishable by death. And in the midst of all of that, the church is growing faster than anywhere else in the world. So let's pray for the church to continue to flourish, for the gospel to continue to flourish in these moments. Nigeria has risen from, uh, and these are countries I'm mentioning that we have connections to as a church family. So you wonder why am I bringing up these? These are all countries that we have connections. And we have connections to be more than just these, but these are four that I'm going to mention. The third one's Nigeria. Nigeria has risen from number 14 on the world watch list to number nine this year. And it's in response to the number of people that are being violently killed for the sake of following Jesus. 
It's been interesting uh, reading the world watch list and hearing some of the kind of trends that are coming out of what persecution is looking like. And what was interesting is in the midst of COVID-19, persecution against believers when it comes to death, uh, killing a believer for their faith in Jesus, they actually decreased by and large across the world. But the actual average number increased. How, how can that be? Because across sub-Saharan Africa, it is a completely different story. So where in most of the world, the numbers decreased, in sub-Saharan Africa, they rose exponentially. And that number that I shared with you, 13 believers who are killed for their faith in Jesus every single day, so these candles represent, in the past year, 10 of those believers are from Nigeria. 10 of the 13 believers being killed each day are from the same country. It's happening in the north of Nigeria, in the middle belt of Nigeria, where Boko Haram is, where the Islamic State of, of uh, African, uh, is ISWAP, Islamic State, West African province. There's a militant Islamic group. It's happening in the middle belt of Nigeria as Fulani herdsmen are coming in. My, uh, Muslim extremists. And they're wiping out villages, taking over the land, killing the men, and taking the women to be wives. It's happening among, in the north. We, we remember we were praying for Leah Sharabu. We've prayed for her in the past. We just got word about a few weeks ago that she is still alive. She was one of the Shabak schoolgirls who were kidnapped in the north of Nigeria, but she was one of the ones who was held back. And the other girl said it's because she refused to deny Jesus. And so she was taken in to be a forced wife to one of the militant members of Boko Haram. I had to pray for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria. There was a recent video, and this is the picture on the screen, that was Christmas Day of this last year, December 25th, 2020. No, go back to that one. Yeah, that one. Those five men were killed on video by Muslim extremists wearing orange jumpsuits, or black jumpsuits, they all put orange on, mimicking what happened in Syria a few years before that point. And before they were killed, it was very clear that the reason they're being killed is because they're believers in Jesus Christ. Because these five men are Christians, their throats were slit for refusing refusing to deny him with a knife to their throat. Got to pray for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria. Number 10 on the world watch list is India. And India, about 10 years ago, was number 31 on this world watch list of places where it's the most dangerous to be a believer. But over the past five to seven years, over the past 10 years, the amount of persecution against believers has been rising exponentially. Maybe some of you were sponsoring a child through Compassion. If you remember a few years ago, Compassion had to drop all of their children that they were supporting in India. And the reason was is because the Indian government refused to allow aid in for any Christian organization. They passed a law saying that they had to approve all aid coming in and they stopped all of the aid that was coming in to support any Christian church. Compassion supports only 
churches. And so their funding was just cut off and they weren't able now to care for these kids. And the amount of persecution happening in India has just been increasing year after year after year to now they're in the top 10 list. I shared a story at prayer meeting this past week. I'm going to share it again. His name is Sabash. And Sabash is from India. He was a Hindu man. His wife was incredibly sick. And so he traveled the whole countryside to different hospitals trying to get the care that she needed. And he ended up going bankrupt because of it. Someone directed him to go visit a pastor. He visited this pastor and the pastor prayed over him. And his wife was miraculously healed. And that pastor was then able to lead Sabash and his wife to the Lord. And Sabash began pastoring a church out of his home and inviting hundreds of people into his home each week throughout the week to pray with them. He had prayer meetings throughout the week. He had a church service on Sundays. And one of the young women who he was praying with and praying for ended up being paid with some false accusations against him. She made a number of false accusations against him. He ended up being arrested and sent to jail, sentenced for three years for what he had done, even though he didn't do anything. He was targeted because of his faith in Jesus and the number of people from India who were coming to the Lord through his house church. He says for the first five days in prison, he was just angry at God. God, why would you allow this to happen? God, why would you do this? I'm living for you. I'm making disciples. I'm preaching your name. Why would you allow this to happen? He's just angry at God, he said, for the first five days. And by then day six, he said, it's like the Lord spoke to him and said, you have 12 people, prisoners that you interact with right now. I want you to share the gospel with them. And so his whole demeanor changed. And for that day six, he shared the gospel with those 12 prisoners. 11 of the 12 trusted Christ for salvation. 11 of the 12. And he began teaching them how to pray. He began teaching them how to read and study the scriptures over the next five days. I mentioned he was in prison for three years. On day 10, he had a dream the night before that he was walking out of the prison. And the very next day, he and the 11 others were miraculously released from prison. And now he goes from village to village to village, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, knowing the risks that are attached to that. So let's pray for believers like Sebash and others in India and around the world who in the midst of persecution are continuing to boldly proclaim the gospel. And when I pray that you're encouraged to see that even in the midst of this, Jesus said this was going to happen. So this shouldn't really surprise us to hear of persecution like this. Jesus said this was going to happen. And in the midst of that, God is growing his church. And so I pray that you will be encouraged by that. I pray that we together will lift up our brothers and sisters who in these difficult places are living and preaching the gospel so a number of things we can be praying for. I'm going to list five, uh, four things on the screen. There's a fifth one that I wish I put on the screen, but I didn't. I just thought of it this morning. I wanted to add it. So here's four prayer points. I want to, we're, going to, we're going to stop and pray for a little bit. And if you are joining us from home, certainly join together in prayer with those that you are participating with. 
For those who are in here, you're welcome to unhook your chair and pray with those around you if you want, or if you want to pray uh, quietly on your own, if you're more comfortable with that, that's great. If you're here and you don't even believe in God, uh, maybe just have a moment of silence. But here's four things, five things I, I want to encourage you to be praying for. Number one is to pray for boldness, protection, and provision for those who are being persecuted, and that the gospel would flourish in the midst of it, for strength to endure it. Number two, pray for this, this small community of believers in Afghanistan as a number of different younger and women Muslim people are questioning things. Pray that they'll have an opportunity to share the gospel with them, but also then share for provision for their needs. Pray for those that have been, number three, those that have been forced out of their homes by extremist attacks in countries like Nigeria, countries like Egypt, like we saw in the video earlier. And then pray for believers in, the, in North Korea and Iran and other countries who are in prison, who are being held captive for their faith. Ask God to comfort them. In North Korea, um, if you are a believer and they find out, you're either killed on the spot or you're sent to a labor camp where you'll just die there. Let's be praying for believers in North Korea. And then not on the screen, but here's what I want to add. I want to encourage you and us together to be praying for the persecuted. Sorry, the persecutors. Let's be praying for the persecutors that God would show up in their dreams, that they would repent, that they would be transformed by the gospel. Jesus said, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. So let's pray for those who are persecuting our family members around the world. Uh, there's a story I read this week in preparation for today of an ISIS prince. And last story, then I'm going to let, let you pray. An ISIS prince. ISIS prince is someone who teaches people how to memorize the Quran and then urges them to jihad. And someone asked him a question. And the question was simple, but it but it wrecked him. The question was, why are you a Muslim? And he says, I couldn't answer that. And so he went to the Quran and he went searching for the Islamic writings and he could find no reason for why he was a Muslim. He had the phone number that they often would use together as a group of jihadists of a Christian hotline kind of a number where it was a Christian group that evangelized to Muslims and they were aware of this group and had the phone number of that group and they would often try to uh, lure people to meet with them and then try to kill them. He had that number, but he, he, he wanted to genuinely ask about Christianity in his search for why he was a Muslim. So he called the number. A man by the name of Peter answered. That was his new name, he was a uh, former Muslim who came to Christ, changed his name to Peter. Very su suiting, uh, suitable name, a fitting name for what I'm going to share with you. Muhammad was the Muslim's name. Muhammad called Peter and said, would you please meet with me? I want to ask you questions about your Jesus. And normally they, would, they wouldn't meet with people. They just don't. They talk over the phone or they don't meet with people. But Peter says he heard the Lord say to him, I want you to meet with him. Meet with him because he is mine. Peter met with him and Muhammad began asking him questions. Peter began to boldly share the gospel with him. Like he says, bolder than I would normally do. Just began to boldly share the gospel with him. And at one point, Muhammad says, I got so angry. I was just, all I could think about was how am I going to kill this man? But then God began to soften his heart 
And as Peter began sharing the gospel with him, Muhammad left that day and could not sleep that night. Finally, kind of in the, got, got a little bit of shut eye, but then he was awoken by a dream he had. And it was a dream of Peter handing him an envelope that was dripping in blood. And Muhammad called Peter back and said, I need to meet with you. I had a dream. I don't know what it means. Peter then began to share with him, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Shared the good news of the gospel that Jesus died in his place, that his blood was shed so that he could be forgiven. And Muhammad gave his life to Christ that day. A former ISIS prince, now follower of Jesus, who now preaches the gospel to others and is asking for open doors to share the gospel with his former ISIS militant group. Just like we see seeing in the scriptures, it's happening today. Let's pray for more of that to happen. Like we saw with Saul of Tarsus in Acts, like we saw with Muhammad, let's pray for God to change the hearts of these militant extremists, of these persecutors. I want to thank you for joining with us this morning, those who've joined us here and then those who have joined us online as well. I encourage you to come back next week. We are, really, it's going to be day of prayer for the persecuted church all week long in the sense that we're moving now into a time in Acts when Paul is going to get intensely persecuted. And we're going to be studying that over the next number of weeks together. Um, So I encourage you to come back for that. We're in Acts 21, I think, something like that. Acts 21 next week. Love you to be a part of that. For my benediction today, just from Hebrews 13, 3, may we remember those in prison as if you were in prison with them and those who are being mistreated since you also are in the body. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the words of the song that we just sang, giving voice to what our hearts cry out. And I pray that we as a church would be a church that is faithful in proclaiming the gospel, no matter how hard it is, no matter how hard it gets here, that we would be faithful, that we'd be inspired by our brothers and sisters around the world and speak boldly the good news of Jesus Christ, that others can know the joy and the peace that we know. And Father, we lift up today those who are being persecuted around the world, and we ask that you would give them boldness, We ask that you would give them strength to endure. We ask that you would provide for their needs and that you would protect them from their oppressors. And through all of that, God, may you continue to build your church. And we thank you for the promises in your word that you will continue to build your church and the gates of hell cannot stop it. So God, encourage us with these truths today as we go out and make much of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. If you've been encouraged by our time today in God's Word, we'd love for you to connect with us on social media and let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at SCBC London. Until next time, I'm your host, Ryan, and this has been Stony Creek Radio. God bless. Thank you.